Rule the day the plant-based way with the new vegan mixed berry from Smoothie King. Powered by whole, non-GMO fruits, oat milk, and vegan protein, it's a dairy-free, plant-based smoothie you can feel great about. With 13 grams of protein and half your daily fiber, it's an easy way to get the essential nutrients your body craves. Skip the line and order online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. This is NoBS Job Search Advice Radio, episode 1942. I'm your host, Jeff Offen, the Big Game Hunter, and welcome to Saturday. Man, busy week, and um, I'm finishing up a course for Udemy and finishing up a book that I'll be selling shortly on interviewing. Just a lot to do to get done. And... Um, I decided to recycle a show from Job Search Radio where I interviewed Phil Rosenberg about the hidden job market. And I call the job boards in the hidden job market because he has a place for them. And um, I just thought it would be a good interview to bring back for you. Hope you find it helpful and give it a great review wherever you listen to the show. And um, I do hope you enjoy the weekend. And in the meantime, let's get going. And there was a time where job boards were considered the best way to apply for a job and to find work. And when you'd read something in the newspaper about the hidden job market, it was all a scam to get executives to spend a lot of money for having their resume mailed out to a lot of companies. Here we are years later, and things have changed. It's actually become the exact reverse. Job boards have atrophied and become a lot less effective way to find work in the hidden job market is really the way most people connect with their next position. So I thought I'd bring on the show today Phil Rosenberg, who's the president of ReCareered, is LinkedIn's most connected career coach. And folks, get this one, top 20 on LinkedIn globally. Catch that one, top 20 on LinkedIn globally. Phil, welcome to Job Search Radio. Great to have you on board. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So how did job boards go from being the best way to find work to one that everyone who's involved with them really dislikes as much as they do? Well, there's a few reasons. Number one, uh, competition in job boards. There's now 50,000 job boards out there, including LinkedIn's job board, Craigslist, and all the ones that you're used to. And, you know, even industry and trade association job boards, the average job is advertised in 18 different places. And 18 the, places? The, the first reason is is that there's been a um, there's just been a, a a mass move by employers to job boards that really overwhelm the job seeker. But the second reason is is mass competition of job seekers, because on the other end, um, the average job that's advertised gets an average 1,000 applicants based on a report by the job board simply hired. Wow. I know it seems that way to me, and I'm just you know, one practitioner who from time to time advertises positions I'm recruiting for, that I get assaulted with any number of resumes. But from a job hunter perspective, it, it, it has to be abominable to be sending your resume and to have taken the time to tailor your resume. Uh, for a specific job, 
and then be competing with at least 999 other people uh, to, to, to get noticed by someone. Well, the statistics have come out to be hopeless for job seekers who are using job boards. I'll take another study of, uh, that CareerBuilder ran where they, were, um, where they had interviewed hiring managers, asking hiring managers where they're finding their new hires. And they said, hiring managers said that they're finding only 10% of their new hires on job boards. Now, the, if you think about that, if you're competing with a thousand other applicants, you and a thousand people share that 10% chance. So when you do the math, that means that every job you apply to on a job board, you, an average, you have an average one in 10,000 odds of landing that job. That's how hopeless it's become. You know, I had a guest on uh, um, a few episodes ago, Dave Optin from Execunet, and Dave basically said something to the effect of um, 30% of positions are filled by either job boards or recruiters. Now, there's overlap in those numbers because some recruiters use job boards. So rather than try to figure out the percentage of recruiters who got that resume from a job board versus actually recruiting, I always make it simple. Let's give the entire number to job boards. 30% get filled by job boards, and then the rest come through networking. And he went on to say that of that 70%, 70% of the 70% come from people who, at the beginning of the search, the job hunter didn't even know. So clearly, it's so important to get connected with people uh, so that this way you're finding or getting entree to what is really a hidden job market to you. Wouldn't you agree? Mm-hmm. Definitely. In fact, um, I, use the, I use the Career Builder study because it's broader. It, contain, it really focuses on all levels rather than just executive level like Execunets would. Um, and... The Career Builder study also showed that hiring managers said they find 80% of their new hires are people they already knew before the ad was published, before the ad was written. How are they finding them? Uh, did the survey address that? Yeah. Well, it includes the easy things that you first think about are people that are internal transfers, or that used to work for the hiring manager. Now, as an, in, as an individual um, job seeker, you can't really affect that very many times because you're, you're, our own personal networks are somewhat limited. Um, but it also includes people that networked their way to the hiring manager prior to the job being advertised. And that's really the part that you can affect. Network their way to the hiring manager before the rec opened up. Why would someone be doing that? You know, if well, there's no job there, why does the job hunter start going out there to try and find that manager? Think about it from a hiring manager's standpoint. And as a recruiter, you've seen this all the time. Of course. Hiring managers write job descriptions about people they already know. These are the people that they've met, either they used to work for them, their internal transfers, or their um, folks that, that the hiring manager managed to meet outside of those two, those two areas, but managed to meet generally through networking. 
And the hiring manager is thinking, wow, I'd love to hire that person. And so the next job that they have where that person might be able to be, uh, make sense or, or fit in, they're writing the job description about people, about real people that they already know. And so it's the, the, the reason why a, a candidate would want to, in a sense, advance network is um, because the hiring manager then has the chance to be able to write the job description about them, and it's really it's their job to lose. They're competing against really two or three people that the job description is written about rather than a 1,000 people. Now, recruiters do the same thing because recruiters advance, uh, ad, advance um, network as well, right? We're out there talking to folks to get acquainted with people in our territory. Sure you are. So, re regardless of what the field is, yes, we're trying to target for a search, but we're also trying to get to know movers and shakers in different industries because ultimately we know we're going to come back to them. We want to create impressions with these people so that this way, if they're a, a, an M, a D, a manager, or a director, or above, they're in a position to use our services, and we've already created an impression with them. Uh, so, yes, I do that as part of my work all the time in order to connect with people, not because they're looking for work, but because I want them to get to know me and vice versa. And, and the, the, the reasons why you do this as a recruiter, but candidates don't do this as much, is because it's easier for you. You've been trained to do this. You do this all the time. You've lived this for many years. And it's, it's, it's outside the comfort level of many job seekers for one reason is, is because they don't have good information sources to even find hiring managers or to be able to find information about what their needs really are. They're using LinkedIn as their, as their primary source, and LinkedIn's watered itself down so much in the last couple of years. Not only has it watered itself down, there are people who are disappearing from LinkedIn because LinkedIn has marketed itself so aggressively that people have gotten turned off to some of the programs that encourage recruiters to be, you know, I have to say, spamming uh, job hunters what seems like incessantly uh, to try and find that passive applicant that the job that people who are in hiring roles have been trained to believe is superior to the active applicant. Now, sure. it's a crock, well, and, and I'm not going to go into that right now. Well, you've got, I mean, but the it's not just recruiters. It's also, you really have two different types of, of general types of users on LinkedIn. And the kind of the separation point is, is a roughly 100 connections. Under 100 connections are people that use it very sporadically. They're only connecting to people they know really well, and they're not really using it as a communications tool. They're not really looking at LinkedIn. Um, the other, greater than 100, are people that use it extensively, and they get overwhelmed with emails. You know this. You face this. I do too. And, what, and how most people who are at a, over 100 connections deal with this is they set up either a separate email account or they folderize their emails so they can get through the day and get to their important emails, and they end up really not, not even seeing very effectively the emails that come to them or the communications that come through LinkedIn. 
It just allows you to be able to communicate with somebody. Very true. For job hunters, as good a tool as LinkedIn can be for information, as that vehicle for finding work, it's become a lot more complicated, especially if you're not out there aggressively looking for work. Uh, sure. Because, as you said so well, people get bombarded. They're assaulted well, we with all know, emails we from all, people. We both know that most job seekers, most, when they've found a job and they're not actively looking for work, they're not really networking and using LinkedIn that extensively or any other networking source. They're doing their jobs. And it's, they kind of put their network, uh, it's human nature to kind of put your networking on hold. And then once you all of a sudden wake up and decide or you go into work and it's decided for you that, hey, you better start looking for another position, all of a sudden people start almost starting from scratch. It's unfortunate, but very true. And, folks, we'll be back with more from Phil Rosenberg in just a moment. But first, I want to introduce Ron Nash, the LinkedIn Whisperer, who's going to be providing our Job Search Insider tip for this show. My Job Search Insider tip for this show is going to be brought, uh, or I should say presented by Ron Nash, the LinkedIn Whisperer. Ron, what do you have for everyone this time? Jeff, today I'm going to talk about something that's kind of near and dear to my heart, and I call it the Rule of 23, Live Like You Were Dying. And don't start singing that song by, uh, by Tim McGraw, please. It'll make Thank you. Thank you. You just cut me off in time, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeff, this story is actually based on a, a true story, as are many of my stories. And uh, I call it the Rule of 23, Live Like You Were Dying, because my dad passed away ooh, about 15 years ago. And um, the first of my parents, and needless to say, that struck a deep nerve with me. Uh, but it took me about a year to process what his uh, meaning meant to my life. And at the juncture when it dawned on me, heavy processing, I realized that between the age of 66, which he was when he passed away, and at that juncture I, I had a 23-year difference between my life and his age, the thought dawned on me, what if me, Ron, knew that I only had 23 years to live before, you know, before my passing? Because had my dad known that, the question came up, how would he have lived? Would he have done the same thing, et cetera? So it caused me to do a self-audit and to ask if I knew I had 23 years, would I do anything differently? And interestingly enough is at that juncture, I really had to be very honest on a very emotional level and look at my life and go, Am I doing all the things that I want to do in my life for as a, as a means of a living, you know, the work that I'm doing? Am I being passionate about it? Am I being friendly and loving to my friends and my family, et cetera, et cetera? So I did a self-audit, and one of the things that's helped me to do is be very career-focused and very aware of what I'm doing and how I spend my time. And I'll get a little bit more into a couple of tips on that. But what I'd like to do is engage you because I know you're extremely insightful. But um, talking about the rule of 23 and living like you're dying, I, you've been around for a long time and you've done a lot of coaching. What types of things does that resonate for you? Two things come, uh, uh, come to mind. Number one is the old Rumi uh, poem uh, where he suggests living like your hair is on fire. <laughs> you know, okay, okay, why waste okay, time how would you behave if your hair was on fire uh, wow. you'd be out there going wild 
pushing the envelope on everything that was important to you in your life and getting rid of the unimportant things. And the second thing that comes to mind um, is I think it's a line from The Shawshank Redemption by Stephen King. And if you haven't seen the movie, wonderful film. Um, and there's a scene toward the end where Morgan Freeman says, I believe it's Morgan Freeman, um, get busy living or get busy dying. Mm, wow. Yeah, that's very powerful. And this story evoked that to me. And so from the career perspective, I'm a firm believer in living life passionately. I've done a lot of jobs in my life, and at the same, I've been a dishwasher and a busboy. i got to tell you, I was really good at that in the day. It had nothing to do with the actual task. It had to do with how I showed up. And so my tips are very simple. Ask yourself the magic question. What if you only had 23 years or left to live? What would you do differently? Not foolishly, but differently. And then number two, every day focus on an idea or the idea that you only have now. And anything is possible, even your dream job, dream career. And most importantly, live like your hair is on firing, literally. I mean, be out there doing it. Be present. Be alive. Seize the day. Thank you. And I'll tack on one more thing on this, uh, which comes from something I've been working on uh, for a while that involves life lessons uh, that you learn from sports. Uh, and one lesson that I learned was winners find the way to win. Losers find the way to lose. Would you rather focus on winning? <laughs> of course. Of course. I love that, mister. That's a great quote, and thank you for sharing. Thank you so much, and thank you for, for your tip, Ron. It's greatly appreciated. So, Ron, how can people reach you? Very simply, my website, www.theinacademy.com. That's T-H-E-I-N academy.com. Or on LinkedIn, I'm the In Academy. Terrific. Thank you so much for making time for this. Greatly appreciate it. My pleasure, sir. Thank you. So let's come back to Phil. We were just talking about how people put their searches aside uh, very regularly when they're not actively looking for work. Don't check into their LinkedIn accounts. Uh, don't really get to see many of those opportunities as a result. So we're going to start shifting into a conversation about the hidden job market, which, as I said in the introduction, years ago used to be a scam to separate executives from large sums of money. And today is really the primary way that people should be looking for work. How does someone begin that process of finding the hidden market and getting inside of it? Well, first is really identifying a target list. And what I recommend and what I recommend is that job seekers use job boards in a way that's a little bit counterintuitive to how they're typically doing it. I recommend using it for research rather than the immediate gratification of applying for jobs that are available right now. And so what I, how I, what I teach is uh, I teach job seekers to use job boards as a way to look for companies that have huge hiring budgets, that are hiring lots and lots and lots of different people. But here's where it gets counterintuitive, just not in the position that they're looking for right now. So you think, Interesting. why would I look for a different position than the one that I'm looking for right now? Because companies that have huge hiring budgets spread the wealth. 
and they're likely to have headcount and hiring budgets in all departments if they have huge hiring budgets in one department. But that's an indication of companies who are likely to have um, headcount and hiring budget in that department in the future. And that's a great company to put on your target list. So for instance, if you're looking for a marketing position, you want to look for companies that are hiring lots and lots of customer service people or lots of IT people or lots of manufacturing people because it's an advanced indicator that they are likely to have a future hiring budget that just hasn't been advertised yet in the department you're seeking. Interesting. And, and thus, once you've identified that target firm, how do you start working to, to network your way into that firm? What would you tell people to how – would, how would you suggest to people that they do that? Well, most people when they network, once they've targeted a company, they're going straight for a hiring manager. And the problem when they do that, they're flying blind. Because let's say you get to the hiring manager, what are you going to say? Because you don't know any, really anything about them other than what you see publicly on Google, publicly in, uh, in the company's website. And it's all obsolete because employers all have departments or at least a senior manager whose job it is to keep current problems off of Google because no one wants their dirty laundry on Google. So what you see uh, when, you do a, uh, when you do Google research on a company is past problems that have already been solved. And if you're using that as, your, as the basis of your research, you end up communicating that you're a wrong fit. You end up communicating to an employer that, you know, your, your expertise is in solving problems that they don't need that uh, in, in areas where they don't need that expertise anymore. So, Phil, where should they go? What should, you know, who do they reach out to at this point? Well, really, when you're working the hidden job market, the first thing you need is information. And, the, uh, and that's really need information before you even want to start hitting up hiring managers. Um, you're going to find information. You're really looking for what are the hiring manager's key and priority problems. What are their pain points? What are the pain points that they have to fix um, in the short term? And where you're going to find that are from the people that are working on similar problems. You're going to find that from people inside the company that are currently working on the same kind of problems that the hiring manager is trying to solve. And at a staff level, they're going to be different problems than at a management level. But even at a management level, say you're a VP of, of uh, looking for a VP of sales roles, um, your jobs are probably going to be improving profit, improving revenue, or reducing costs. And there are going to be other, uh, other people within the organization um, who are also going to be responsible for improving revenue, improving profit, and reducing costs. Those are people that are going to have uh, similar ideas and, and, and some good insight as to what your hiring manager's key and priority problems are, even at a management level. So, Phil, when someone reaches out, I presume that they're reaching out at different levels. If you're a, you know, at an M level, a manager level and above, you're reaching out to a certain level of individual. If you're at a staff level, you're reaching out to a different level. So in reaching out, who should those people write out, reach out to, and what should they be saying? What should they be communicating in the outreach? Is it by phone, by email? How do they do it? Um, you can do it both ways, but, and, and, and as a recruiter, you're facing that too. 
Um, as a recruiter, you've got to be able to not only figure out who you need to be able to reach to find out information about the organization, and you need to do that as a job seeker. Um, phone and email are the two best um, a combination, and it's going to work differently for different individuals. Um, but the key question is how are you identifying the right individuals? Because LinkedIn is a terrible source today of being able to do that. LinkedIn doesn't list um, nearly as much information as they used to. You can't even get last names for most people, and um, you can't get any contact information at all. So LinkedIn's the wrong source for you, but you really need to be able – there's other sources that are available on the net that um, you can map out an organization quite effectively and a lot more effectively than LinkedIn. So what sort of what sources are they? How could someone map out an organization? Well, I'm, that's that's part of the uh, that's part of what I have in a in a webinar series in that sort of content that's included in um, um, I list ten different sources and step through ten different sources in um, in my webinars that will allow someone to do a better job of mapping out an organization and contact information than you can get from LinkedIn. I'll just mention one for the audience uh, that I know of that I use all the time called Connectifier, uh, like Connect, I-F-I-E-R, uh, which I use as a Chrome extension. And what it will do is complement LinkedIn and often pull in email addresses and often phone numbers as well uh, for people within LinkedIn. Now, it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I find that the larger my network is, and that includes groups as well, the more effective it is for me. So, like I said, Connectifier is a nice little tool uh, that someone can use to get some of those connections. It's currently in beta, but they're very generous about releasing it to people. So, just thought I would mention that to folks. So, I guess people are going to have to listen to your webinar, which we'll get to a little bit later, <laughs> to find out some of this stuff. So let's work with the premise of mapping out the organization here. Um, so they have an idea of who they reach out to through either Connectifier, LinkedIn, Google searches, some of the things you teach in your webinar. And thus they're emailing, uh, calling. What tends to be best for people? Again, that's going to depend upon the the individual there that you're trying to reach. There's some individuals that that respond better to email. There's other individuals. There are other individuals that will respond better to phone. Um, the main thing is going to be persistence. Uh, persistence and not getting discouraged if you don't reach somebody the first time you've tried. These are busy people you're trying to reach who don't know you. And, and you're absolutely right. In, in my work as a recruiter, lesson number one, 40 plus, uh, 40 plus years ago, was to be patient. Uh, these folks don't know you. Um, so you'll have to call multiple times to eventually get through. And, and I want to be clear, you're not calling every 10 minutes. You're not being obnoxious trying to get through. But we are, what you are trying to do is be respectful of their time, but firm and persistent in, in trying to reach out to them. Um, I remember one of the classic questions uh, that my colleagues had was, should I leave a message? Well, if you expect a phone call back, you try leaving a message. If you don't leave, a, leave uh, your name and number, they'll never call you back. Uh, so I'll simply say, folks, that um, it doesn't guarantee that you'll get a call back, but statistically, if you don't leave a message, you have a 100% certainty that they won't call you back. <laughs> so 
and, and I find that I think that the that the biggest problem that most job seekers have um, in in trying to go to that step is not is really two problems. One, first identifying who they need to reach. We talked about that. But secondly, having enough patience that they're willing to call back or reach out to somebody more than once or twice if they're not getting a response back right away. People give up too early. Recruiters learn that the first, of the first couple of weeks of work. Yeah, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, one of the classic things in sales training uh, talks about how a salesperson often gives up right before they would have gotten the order. So there are people who give up, and folks, uh, you know, if you're outside of the U.S., this U.S. football analogy might not make sense for you, but in this 100-yard field, there are people who give up halfway at the 50-yard line, and there are people who give up at the 30, at the 20, at the 10, at the 1-yard line. If they only push themselves a little bit further, they'd get the order, and it's the same thing in making these calls. The persistence is necessary in order to get through to folks because as Phil said so well, they're busy. They don't know you. Why should they take your call? So in doing this outreach, what might you suggest that they say? You know, how do we uncover this potential opportunity uh, that's hidden from public view that would afford them the opportunity to get in the door and, and have a conversation? Well, um what you say when you when you actually reach somebody it's critical a lot of people when they when they are doing networking for job search they blow it because when they reach the person they want to reach whether it's a hiring manager or an information source they blow it by asking a first question that just makes them look stupid and they ask do you have any opportunities available <laughs> now you can look that up on a website and so when you ask that you're wasting your audience's time, you're wasting your own time. And that's not really, that's not, it, uh, that's not really a, a very high-gain question. It's not really the information that you're looking for because finding out what jobs are listed, that doesn't give you any better information that you can get from the job boards. What you want to find out is you want to start examining where, what, what's keeping the hiring manager up at night. What's the hiring manager's priority problems? What are they trying to accomplish? What, um, where, where are they falling behind? What types of risks do they have? You want to find out really where the bones are buried, where the, where the, where the skeletons are buried. And, you know, it, it may seem awkward, folks, for you to be asking questions along these lines, but if you think of yourself as a consultant who's reaching out to a potential customer, Consultants, when they're bidding for business, don't walk in the door going, hi, let me tell you everything I can do for you. They first attempt to identify the pain points, uh, what the issues the customer has, and then they start talking about what they're capable of doing to help them. It's a consultative sale. And that sounds like what Phil is talking about here, understanding what the issues are for this individual and thus where you might be able to help them. A lot of acute listening goes into this. A lot, a lot of good questioning on your part will need to go into this. Um, this is not something that you can script out in advance other than maybe the beginning of the conversation, the first uh, uh, few sentences. But after that, you're winging it. And frankly, if you're skillful at what you do, you're going to make a great impression on this person and cause them to want to know you better. 
and perhaps yeah, write that job description like Phil was suggesting. That's part of it. The other part is building trust. And mm-hmm. um, one of the best ways to build trust, I mean, and think about it, you're asking somebody who doesn't know you to tell you things that are going on inside their organization. <clears throat> so you've got to be able to build some trust before they're willing to really trust you with that with that valuable information. Um, and one of the best ways to build trust is a, an old networking term of giving before you get. You're a in, if you're in job search, you are a huge source of information because what you're doing is you're researching in industry or companies or competitors, and that's that's that can be very very valuable to the the people that you're trying to get information from. And so when when you're calling somebody, you always want to be able to have not just an excuse to call them that makes sense for you, but you want an excuse to call them that gives them something first so that not only does it build trust, but it gets people to return your phone calls. So I need you to be explicit here. Let's say, say we have the example of VP of sales for uh, uh, an IT consulting firm for the sake of argument. Or pick a different industry if that's your preference. And they're reaching out to someone within an institution uh, to try and begin this connection and fostering trust. This person's hurt, identified some issues the firm might have. How do they begin this conversation? Uh, pretend I'm that person, call me up on the phone. Uh, or, or give me a sense of what you'd write in that email. Well, you'd, you'd probably want to start out by talking, uh, by introducing yourself and not necessarily identifying yourself as a job seeker, but, ident- but saying that you really want to be able to share some industry information with them. You thought that you had some information that may be valuable to them, and you do. Because if you're looking for, uh, for work in area IT consulting firms, then you have information about other IT consulting firms that are their competitors. You should know who's hiring and who's adding staff. You should have an idea of maybe who's cutting staff. You should have ideas of um, if you've been, as you've been talking to other competing firms within the industry, you should be starting to have have ideas of what problems other firms have, and that can be valuable information to the person that you're talking to. This is a way to be able to show your industry knowledge, a way to be able to show that you're connected, that you're a a valuable player within the industry, and it's a way to subtly say to uh, to the information source, hey, I'm somebody who knows what's going on, I'm well connected, not only can I offer you value, but if you happen to be a decision maker that I'm talking to, then I'm somebody that you want on, my t- on your team. Terrific. And at a staff level, does the same sort of uh, intro apply, or would you suggest something different? Well, it, you're, the, details of the, the, the details of the intro are going to be different depending upon your individual situation, your industry, your um, your level, because the the information you're looking for and the information you have, it's going to be different if you're applying for a job as a CEO versus if you're applying for a job as an admin. 
And so you want to Absolutely tailor true. Level, to, to the level to the industry and to the job function. So when we started our conversation, uh, we both agreed that job boards are no longer really where it's at, that they fill at most 30% of all positions. Um, you know, when, when job hunters are, are starting to, to do their work to find the next position. And thus networking, the, trying to find or gain access to the hidden job market uh, is critical for job hunters. And you've been talking about how to get entree uh, into this market, not by using the job ads directly. By that I mean uh, my, this company is trying to hire someone just like me. But they might be trying to hire someone in a completely different group that might signal that they might in the future be looking for someone like you. How am I doing so far with this summary? Um, yeah, right on. The, the, the thing I'd add to it is you're looking for hiring organizations that are hiring volume. They're hiring lots of people because they show that they have a big budget, and that budget's probably going to get spread to the department that you're interested in, too. Perfect. And, and it also signals a firm that might be going through explosive growth. Mm -hmm. Explosive growth is a great gateway to finding a new position. And that once you've identified firms like that in your target geography, you try to reach out to people within that firm, not directly to the person who might be the hiring manager for what you do, but perhaps to staff-level individuals uh, if you're at a staff level yourself uh, or if you're at an M or above uh, you might just be trying to network with someone um, at a higher level to talk with them and, and offer them industry information uh, as, an on, uh, as an entry point toward beginning the relationship and building some trust. Should it go as far as doing informational interviewing, Phil, uh, where you're asking them for input or advice in general? Not off the bat. I would, uh, I would if, as, as you developed a relationship with someone, if you've really gotten, um, if you've really made a connection with someone and you feel that, um, that um, you've built enough trust up, then that's something you can, you can certainly do if you want to have them evaluate you as a potential candidate for working for that firm. That's really a question, though, you want to ask of the hiring manager rather than of a peer. As we agree. A peer can give you certain information, but it's um, it, it can give you information about fit within an organization and the types of people that that organization hires, but it's not going to give you as detailed of an answer and as detailed of a feedback as you might be looking for. We agree. Do you have one other major point that you want to cover? Uh, in terms of accessing the hidden market, because we are starting to run, a, run up against our time with one another today. Yeah, be careful of when you send a resume. Most candidates jump to sending a resume way too soon in the process, and all it is is an express train to human resources that gets you buried in the database you're trying to stay out of. You mean the applicant tracking system is, is not the way to go? Well, I feel like black holes. If you like it's funny, my next guest, the next guest I'm interviewing is from a firm that has built an add-on 
uh, two applicant tracking systems to permit video interviewing of uh, candidates prior to an in-person as a further screening device because they perceived as a huge black hole and people just can't respond to those 200-some-odd resumes. Um, you know, that they may get per day or per hour, depending upon the size of the firm. So it's interesting that we're talking about the black hole, and that's going to be my next guest, uh, you know, preparing job applicants for the next um, wave of applicant tracking systems and how they're going to try and um, use big data to analyze people. So, Phil, thank you so much for making time today. I appreciate you doing this. How can people reach you? I, I think you've spoken with me about uh, webinars that you'd make available uh, to my listeners. Sure. Either they can connect with me if, if you've got uh, questions at phil.recareered at gmail.com. Be careful of the spelling. You can search for me online or on LinkedIn. And I do offer uh, a free webinar um, for uh, a free webinar that I I go over, uh, basically show you nine best practices to cut your job search in half. You can register for that at www.resumewebinar.com. Beautiful. Phil, thank you. And folks, we'll be back next time with more advice to help you find work more quickly. I'm Jeff Altman, the Big Game Hunter, and I have a lot of content that's available at my site, which is thebiggamehunter.us. Uh, so if you come over to the website and go exploring, you'll find my podcasts, videos. Uh, you can download copies of my books and guides to job hunting. Pay what you want for them, if you will. I appreciate if you paid something, but you can pay whatever you want uh, for any of my books or guides to job hunting. So, I also want to mention that if your current firm is trying to hire someone, send me an email at jeffaltman at thebiggamehunter.us. Let me know who to contact and whether or not I can mention your name, because I'd love to help your current firm staff positions. Uh, staff positions. And frankly, if you're in a, an M level or above, it can make the difference between you needing to leave and maybe wanting to stay. So reach out to me. I'd be very happy to, to help you with that. So this is Jeff Altman. Hope you have a great day. Take care. That's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, here are a few more ways to get information and advice from me. First of all, visit my website, which is thebiggamehunter.us. Go to the blog. There's a lot there to help you with your job search, hiring more effectively, managing and leading, and workplace-related issues. In addition, if you're interested in my coaching you, there's a button there that says Schedule. Schedule time for a free discovery call or schedule yourself in for coaching. Obviously, I'm going to charge for that, but I can help you with interview preparation, leadership coaching, salary negotiation advice, making a good decision between different offers, anything related to improving yourself in the workplace, I can coach you about. If you have questions for me, you can schedule 15 minutes with me at thebiggamehunter.us forward slash live or you know, a less expensive way is at thebiggamehunter.us forward slash video answers, where you leave a message for me and I'll respond with a three to five minute video. Connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash the big game hunter. I can assure you your network will expand a lot 
by connecting with me. And finally, watch me on TV. Download the Job Search TV app for Fire TV, Fire Stick, Apple TV, Roku, like 90 different manufacturers. I'll be back tomorrow with more. And in the meantime, I hope you have a terrific day. Be great! Rule the day the plant-based way with the new vegan mixed berry from Smoothie King. Powered by whole, non-GMO fruits, oat milk, and vegan protein, it's a dairy-free, plant-based smoothie you can feel great about. With 13 grams of protein and half your daily fiber, it's an easy way to get the essential nutrients your body craves. Skip the line and order online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King. Rule the day. Rule the day the plant-based way with the new vegan mixed berry from Smoothie King. Powered by whole, non-GMO fruits, oat milk, and vegan protein, it's a dairy-free, plant-based smoothie you can feel great about. With 13 grams of protein and half your daily fiber, it's an easy way to get the essential nutrients your body craves. Skip the line and order online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King. Rule the day.